Hello, and welcome to the Maximu Theater and Performance Podcast. Today, Patty, Penny Maria, and Jack preview some shows they're excited about as summer winds down and the 2019 to 2020 season begins. Enjoy the show. All right, so how, how shall we begin? Me, 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 <laughs> Just some warms up. Ma! <laughs> I love it. sirens? are great. <coughs> Are you recording this? This yeah. should definitely be like on the outtakes, like at the end. <laughs> I love, I love, I love nothing more than an actor warming up in like a confined space because they can't find anywhere else, like a little alcove. And, yeah, oh yeah. Facing you know, the wall. And you're just like, this is the life you chose. I love this. Oh, it's a wonderful business we're in. Should we introduce ourselves? Yeah, that yeah, sounds, sounds good. Great. It's me, Patty. I've been on here twice or thrice before. Um, I used to do a podcast with my friend Emily. You might know me from that. Now I'm, uh, you know, seeing theater in, in grad school for library science. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Penny Maria here. I actually also have a video uh, vlog, I guess, that I do with my friend Emily called To See or Not To See. Um, You know, we have such busy lives, it's hard to catch up. Um, And likewise, I haven't been on Maximal in a while, but I'm glad to be back. Uh, I'm Jack. I haven't been on this podcast in a while either, and I don't remember how to do this. Um, <laughs> so we're going to figure it out together. Um, uh, by day, I am the director of new artists at the Joseph Pat Public Theater New York Shakespeare Festival. Um, and I do remember that I'm supposed to say that my views are my own mm. and not those of the public theater. I believe that's on merch. It is. I yeah. think, I think uh, Liz Richards put it on a, a mug or something. Yeah. I never got one, actually. What? Oh, no. no. We I need to know. do another order. Yeah. Yeah. So we're here to talk about theater yeah. in September, is that? Yeah, right? like uh, end of well, August. Late August to September. September. Maybe early October. Just upcoming. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the time of year when... Um, a lot of particularly off-Broadway theaters are ramping up and starting their seasons again mm-hmm. after yes. a summer more or less off, um, although some program throughout the summer, like the one I work for. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, uh, very active. But, but it's also, yeah, there's, it's, there's, it's easier to see everything um, in the summer uh, that you want to see, and then the fall comes around and there's just there's no time no to see time. all the things. Exactly. Um, but, so yeah, we're going to talk about a few of them. So who wants to... Who wants to start with uh, what they're excited about in uh, September? I've never done the. I've never. <laughs> You've taken the lead. I guess I do. Mm-hmm. It feels very strange. So I'm going to sit back and someone else. No, call. this is great. I'll Thank start you. with one show mm-hmm. because it's coming up soonish. Mm-hmm. Um, in on August 23rd and 24th, the Dirty Minds Theater Company is doing a production of Head Over Heels, recently of the Broadway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, this is a theater company. It's a newly formed theater company. It's a um, 503C charity, and every production, the proceeds will go to a different New York City LGBT charity. Oh, great. And for this production, the proceeds are going to the Alley Forney Center. And they also have a GoFundMe to help fund the production, um, but they reached their goal. I mean, not saying you can't always get more money, but so that's good. It's Mm -hmm. funded. Um, Tickets are $50, which for a charity um, production doesn't, you know, that seems completely reasonable. And I love Head Over Heels, and I'm glad that it's still being produced. Not still, but that even so quickly it's being produced. There's a production that just wrapped up in Chicago, I think. Right. Um, and it's just a great, great show. And I'm excited that more audiences are going to see it. I like the idea of like shows that are, I mean, the, the, I, not that like Hedder Hills is necessarily like a cult show, mm-hmm. but it had like, it had the fans that it has, even when it closed, are so like passionate. Mm-hmm. Um, not to maybe to the degree of something like Be More Chill, but I love the fact that like Be More Chill, I think as we're recording, I think closes today. Correct. But what's interesting is that like, that's another show that like is going to live on in some way just because Mm -hmm. the fans wouldn't have it any other way. So it'll be exciting to see like how this production of Head Over Heels will obviously be different from Mm -hmm. the Broadway run. But like, I don't know, it might be fun to like, I wonder if it's going to be, it's like a, like a Grateful Dead thing where people like go around the country and like watch their favorite show in different permutations. That would be really cool. Yeah. 
I mean, getting way too far ahead, but that's a little like six, right? What's happening with six yeah, the musical, kind of. where they're doing simultaneously simultaneous productions like everywhere. Everybody Future Maximo uh, show maybe, which is it's not coming till February in New York, but it's they're going on Norwegian cruises. There's, oh wow! It's in the West End. It's right. also touring mm-hmm. England. It's in it just wrapped up in Chicago, and then there's also going to be a simultaneously different Chicago production. Right. It's like it's an interesting new model that mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see what happens with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, but that Head Over Heels also will be at Theater 80 um, on St. Mark's Place. Got it, got it. Um, I just want to say, because I didn't before, that uh, Head Over Heels has music by the Go-Go's. Of course. The Go-Go's. And um, the book was written by Jeff Witte and James Magruder. I think there was some, you know, somebody wrote it and then somebody worked on it later. Yada, yada, yada. But um, credit, obviously, should be paid. All right, so I'll go next. Um, I'm excited to see Felix Starro. Um, it's going to be at Theater Row, and it's all about a faith healer. So I'm going to read you the little synopsis. Please do. Felix Starro is a famous faith healer in the Philippines whose clients include celebrities and big politicians. After falling on hard times, Felix decides to go to San Francisco with his young grandson to set up shop for ailing Filipinos in the Bay Area to earn just enough money to go home and retire comfortably. Unbeknownst to Felix, his grandson, Junior, has plans of his own to leave his grandfather and take his chances as an undocumented immigrant. So here, um, I was intrigued when I saw another faith story coming to the theater. I grew up in the church, but it was more reserved. So anytime (laughs) I would see the people on TV screaming, I'm like, what is happening right now? Why are you so upset? (laughs) Yeah, I had the same thing, yeah. It's a little frightening almost. I'm like, you can't, I don't know, are you going to scare Jesus into somebody? I don't know, it's a little little too much. Um, But also looking at colonization, right, and how it spreads, and in the Philippines particularly, Mm -hmm. um, watching, I'm curious to see how that will play out in this production. And then also tying it to everything going on today with immigrants in this nation. Um, so I, I really want to see how all of that comes together. Um, and I'm excited that we're telling these stories, and especially we're broadening up the people of color spectrum on stage. So that's mm, another yeah. reason. Um, I'm glad to see you know this particular story being told. And there's multiple levels in it. Again, that's going to be at Theater Row, and it opens on August 23rd, or the preview starts August 23rd, um, and officially opens on September 1st, and it has a large cast, um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to unpacking the show after, too, the discussions that will follow. Yeah. And uh, who wrote it? So this play... Um, is oh uh, well it it's, has music as well so book and oh. lyrics by oh. Jessica Hagedorn and music um, by Fabian Obispo. Okay, great. Yeah, sorry if I butchered your, the names. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, great. you know, I love the little music. I've yeah. heard that about you. <laughs> and I'm I've partial heard that. to the musical theater, so <laughs> no. I'm, I'm interested. And then you say there's there's also music to go. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's another layer. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially especially if you're talking about uh, church music is so important oh. in that mm-hmm. setting. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. Um, I'm not going to talk about any musicals today. Which good, we need that. Okay, great. <laughs> I think I'm oh, yeah, only I think talking about musicals. Okay, so. it, we have balance. <laughs> there's some more musicals coming. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a lot coming up in sort of the sort of nonprofit off Broadway scene uh, this mm-hmm. fall, or really sort of this August into the fall, um, that I'm excited about. And I'm going to start, uh, I guess, speaking of faith, uh, with a, a show called Heroes of the Fourth Turning by a wonderful playwright named Will Arbery, um, directed by Danya Tamor, whose name you've probably heard before in the off Broadway scene. She, I think, most recently directed. Um, uh, Jeremy O'Harris's play Daddy that was at mm. the New Group uh, mm-hmm. and at the Vineyard. Um, she's worked like in center all over the place. She's incredible. Um, this is going to be a Playwrights Horizon starting September 13th, and it's um, it's sort of loosely inspired by where Will grew, uh, the sort of environment that Will Arbery the playwright grew up in, and it centers around um, a group of friends who are all 
conservatives living in Wyoming. And not only are they conservatives, they are Catholic conservatives. Mm. And it's sort of the end of a night of a party and we're meeting all of these friends and they're sort of debating the... Uh, the state of the Catholic Church at the moment, as well as the political situation in the United States. If you don't know Will Arbery, you might have heard his name before uh, with a production of a play called Plano uh, that uh-huh. started at Club Thumb Summerworks last year and had an encore run at the Connolly that Club Thumb did, uh, which was an incredible debut, a very strange beautiful uh, sort of off-kilter story about three sisters. And the production that uh, Taylor Reynolds uh, masterfully directed uh, was sort of like it played loosely with time and space and humor and there were some supernatural elements to it Heroes of the Fourth Turning is actually much more of a quote unquote like straight play it's Mm -hmm. sort of one environment we watch the same characters it you know has that sort of like you know, solid American play feel, but because this is Will Arbery, there may or may not be some other stuff waiting gotcha. in the wings. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I mean, the Catholicism lends itself to all sorts Definitely. of spooks. Absolutely. <laughs> and the things that, I mean, the reason I'm really honestly excited about this play is that this is, I, I'm familiar with, I've read the play before. It is a very um, unsatirical, just sort of bright light of day, look at contemporary American conservatism. It's not, you know, at first glance, it's not like in a very liberal city like New York and in a very liberal field like the American theater Mm -hmm. tends to be. Um, This is not like a hit job on American conservatives or Trump voters. It actually is like, what if we take these folks absolutely seriously on their own terms? What can we learn? Hmm. So it's going to be a really interesting thing to watch people watch this play and process their own feelings about them, especially because there is even some, in the characters in the play, there's some disagreement about Donald Trump and, mm-hmm. and you know, his function in the Republican mm-hmm. Party. Um, the title, Heroes of the Fourth Turning, I don't want to spoil it, but it is a reference to a, um, a, a very sinister book that was um, uh, Steve Bannon's favorite oh. book. So anyway, I just, I love this playwright. I think this is going to be a really interesting thing to see how it moves in three dimensions um, and how it plays to a, a very liberal crowd. Hmm. Um, so yeah, this is Heroes of the Fourth Turning at Playwrights Horizons this fall. That's, I, should, I should probably see that because I'm Catholic. Well, I was raised Catholic. Mm. Oh yeah, Not some... should see it, but like, that sounds like, I don't know, yeah. I, I would probably see a lot of family members <laughs> visible yeah. in in the in the show yeah that I, I might not want to see but sure and it's interesting because there's also the play also sort of deals with generational mm. tensions you know mm-hmm. there's sort of a, most of the uh, characters are the same age and then there's one character from an older generation who comes on toward the end mm. and that sort of um raises the stakes a little bit gotcha. um yeah I'm interesting curious. I like the mystery you're you're weaving right now. It's got me intrigued. I like the mystery that Will Arbery weaves. Uh, so it's a and he's just he's an incredibly he's a fearless playwright, and uh, I think this is going to be a uh, a really great way for people to continue to get to know his work. Cause he's, I think he's going to be around for a while. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next show I'm going to talk about is one of my very favorite cabarettists, Molly Pope, and she's doing a show at the Duplex on September 10th, and it's called. <laughs> Delightfully, Molly Pope, a gay man and a piano. What else do you uh, need? Nothing in my life. I need nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd be set for life. She, if you haven't seen Molly Pope or heard Molly Pope, is just a, a one of a kind performer. She has this very rich, old school sounding voice, but but not in a way that is is um, like mimicry or uh, derivative. It's just very natural. She thought she couldn't sing for a long time or like didn't have the kind of voice that people wanted to hear just because she had this very specific tone to her voice. Mm-hmm. And she does great uh, great cabaret shows all over New York, and she was working on... Um, an original piece in Philadelphia recently that I believe is called Polly Mope. And hopefully that that will have a future and we'll get to see that. I'm interested with this show particularly because it's the description is that she's doing songs she's always wanted to tackle. If you if you've seen one of her shows, there's a few. You know, everybody has their their book or whatever. So she'll she'll she does um, 
a really fantastic rendition of Lord's Royals in like an old school jazzy style. And this maybe will be all songs we've never heard Molly Pope sing before, which will be very, very exciting. And for this performance, the gay man will be Drew Woodkey, which apologies if I said that incorrectly, but it's on September 9th. It's at 9.30 p.m. and it is a cabaret show, so there's a two-drink minimum. If you buy tickets in advance, it's $20. If you buy them at the door, it's $25. And she did just post that, you know, they're like halfway sold or whatever, so I would get on buying those tickets. Yeah. Yeah. She's incredible. Yeah, there's a... She's been brought up a lot in the history of this mm-hmm. podcast, uh, mostly David Levy, yeah. um, who I know is quite close with Molly. And uh, yeah, no, she's a she's a force to be reckoned with. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Now it's time to get serious. Oh. Okay, not too serious, but you know, something that um, people of color have been dealing with for a long time. The name of this show is American Moore. Um, it's written by playwright Keith Hamilton Cobb, and it's going to be at Cherry Lane Theater. First preview is August 27th, and it opens on September 28th. So let me tell you a little bit about this show. An indomitable African-American actor auditioning for the role of Othello must respond to the dictates of a younger white director who presumes to better understand Shakespeare's iconic black character. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) This fraught audition turns into an exploration of Shakespeare, race, and America, not necessarily in that order. Fueled by humor and passion, American Moore paints an essential portrait of an American theater unaware of its failures and of the culture that supports it. Um, One line comes to memory from our our end-of-year podcast. Do better, people. Mm, (laughs) Right. You all remember that line. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so, and I think this play aligns itself, you know, perfectly with where we are. Um, we're at a place where everyone in the theater world is saying, yes, we need to be more inclusive. Um, but are we really taking the right steps to make that happen? Are we understanding and evaluating people's perspectives over our own, especially if we're not in a particular situation. Right. Um, so this, uh, I, I believe this actor, because um, he also is a performer himself, came against this a lot in his, a lot in his career. I've spoken to other friends who have also had the situation where, you know, they go into an audition and someone tells them, act blacker. Yeah. And they're like, I, I don't know what you mean, act blacker, when the person really means act hood or yeah. act scary. And it's not the same thing. I mean, this is going to be something to see how this story unfolds. They just, uh, I think earlier this year, um, they did a run at Anacostia Playhouse in D.C. Yes, indeed. Um, and so it's going to be coming here to the Cherry Lane soon. And it looks like the playwright has been working on the show for a few years. And I didn't get to see any other previous iterations. But like you were saying, Patty, I'm wondering if it's one of those shows that will be replicated more more often. Mm-hmm. Um, and how the context will also change if society is able to change, right? Sure. Hopefully we'll get to a place where, you know, this will just be a look back piece. It won't be something <laughs> that people can relate to um, in their day-to-day auditioning life. But again, I love when we have uh, multiple things coming together. So we're looking back in the past, but it's this issue that's very relevant to today. And I've never seen any work by Keith Hamilton Cobb. I'm interested in checking this show out. Yeah, I had that on my sort of backup list Mm -hmm, as well mm -hmm. to make sure I had enough topics to talk about. And I'm glad you brought it up because... Uh, I'm not super aware of the off-Broadway scene, and one of the reasons I like doing this podcast mm-hmm. is because it forces me to look um, beyond like the the boards, as mm-hmm. it were. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was like, oh, this, yeah, this not only like one I'm interested in, but I'm gonna have a very busy fall finishing up my master's degree, yeah. and I'm gonna carve out time to to see this show because mm-hmm. it sounds a, I mean, the the big I word, important, but also super interesting and just necessary. Yeah, yeah. extremely, extremely. 
Um, and we need more work like this that's, you know, really questioning and getting at the heart of the matter rather than just doing blind casting. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You know, so let's dig a little deeper, folks, and this show is doing that. Let's do better, yeah. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited because I've been hearing about this show for a few years, mm-hmm. and I'm so excited I finally get to see it. Um, I think it played a couple times in Anacostia, at the Anacostia Playhouse, mm-hmm. and then I think it was also in Boston a couple times, too, at Arts Emerson. Yeah, it's um, making the rounds. And it's a really gorgeous uh, monologue, um, and it's kind of unpacks the sort of the problematic nature of the character of Othello himself. Sure. Um, and of course, you know, as, as someone who works at a theater that does Shakespeare all the time, it's always really interesting to watch how you consider roles and plays that by today's standards are problematic is perhaps too mild a term. But, you know, anytime we're talking yeah. about Taming of the Shrew or The Merchant yeah. of Venice or Othello, immediately questions start coming up about like, why are we still yes. doing this? And why, you know, and mm-hmm. and why are we using Othello to explore, you know, uh, race in 2019? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, not to mention everything that actors go through um, uh, when they're uh, yeah placed in a in a in a, a field that is still absolutely rife with white supremacy. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing but this. But gentle white supremacy is, you know, they're they're smiling on the, white supremacy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's a little subtle sometimes because their intentions on the outside are good, um, but internally they haven't done that work. Right. Um, and so I think this is one of the shows that's forcing people to do that. And again, it's more and more off Broadway theaters are producing these black works. I'm always curious to see. Oh, do you have a white director? Do they right. really mm-hmm. understand what this show? it's about right yeah i mean it's really interesting because a lot of the patrons especially if it's off broadway and you have you know subscribers are mostly white yep. so the you know the director can communicate to them but are we losing what the playwright has intended so, yeah it's yeah. It, we always forget that you know yeah you can just say like oh look here our season look at how racially diverse our playwrights are look mm-hmm. you know um but then it's like but you haven't actually the infrastructure is still built for exactly. a primarily white audience and it and uh, a place that is sort of in some ways designed to make people of color um, uh, and other marginalized folks out you know out of mm-hmm. uncomfortable in those spaces mm-hmm. and so it's like okay we ticked one box and then but we actually aren't looking at the infrastructure of it um, yeah it's it's a lot go ahead Jack preach <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's all but it's good because it, what it does is it makes you ask fundamental questions about why we do the things we do in yeah theater. yeah um, and it's not just about, oh, we just need to change this little thing and flip mm-hmm. this switch. Oh, great. Thank God we fixed that switch that yeah. was flipped the other way. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's actually like, oh, that affects this and mm-hmm. audiences affect, you know, it affects ticket prices and, exactly. it, you know, yeah. and it affects all kinds of things. And so, um, yeah, anyway. This is, we don't have enough time well, to dig yeah, into, so into this on this podcast. It's, it's systemic, I think, is a word that's thrown exactly. around. I mean, not like, thrown around, you but just, that's no, what you Well, exactly. Yeah. You, yeah. What you described, oh, mm-hmm. this affects this, it affects mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a whole system that's built to yeah. to benefit one group of people and mm-hmm. not everyone else. Yeah. yeah. So you can't change one part and expect right. yeah. everything to fall into exactly. place. Exactly. Yeah, I just said a lot of words and you just said the one word. Systemically, <laughs> 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 like, oh, yeah, right. That's the word I do you know what, though? And I don't think this is true of people who are listening to Maximus' podcast. But if you described that to someone who is so sick of hearing the word systemic yeah. and you broke it down right. and they would go, okay, I could see how that makes sense. And then you go, yeah, that's what systemic means, dummy. Oh, my god, You probably shouldn't say dummy. No, don't, say, don't, don't say dummy. But, but we're doing the work. But that's what like, we're reaching everyone I mean, on Sometimes you have right. to explain the word before you can use it, especially because people are so sick of hearing certain words because they don't either know what yeah. it means or understand what it means or don't care to. They automatically shut down once yeah. they hear certain words. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. American Moore. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so the second show I want to talk about um, happening on the off-Broadway uh, scene is a play I love called Our Dear Dead Drug Lord by a wonderful playwright named Alexis Shear, um, who is either has just graduated or is still completing her master's at Boston University. Um, Alexis, I'm, I'm so sorry that I'm, if I've gotten your um, education status wrong. Uh, but she's fantastic um, and is has written this play that is set in a treehouse. 
um, and it's a bunch of teenage girls who are all classmates from uh, varying, uh, it's important to note, varying racial identities. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are part of a club at the school that originally was supposed to create educational materials around like forgotten leaders and you know important people from history. But what it's turned into is a deep dive into violent, horrible like dictators and murderers oh, of the past. Yeah. And so the these girls have assembled at this treehouse because they are going to um, try to contact the departed spirit of Pablo Escobar, Uh-oh. the noted drug trafficker um, and uh, and cartel magnate. Yes. And uh, so we have a, there's a little bit of a Ouija board energy going on in this Ooh. play, and we're trying to summon this the spirit of this guy. And Ooh. and does that happen? Maybe, maybe not. Um, are they actually trying to exhume other sort of invisible things amongst themselves as teenage girls living in America, I would say that that Mm -hmm. both things might be true. Um, Another reason to get excited about this play is the director uh, who is named Whitney White. Um, Whitney White, if you don't know her, is sort of the, like, the, the next great amazing all-around artist of the American theater. So Whitney White might have probably mentioned on this podcast, directed um, the Movement Theater Company's production of Alicia Harris's oh, What to Send Up When It Goes name. Down, okay. mm-hmm. which uh, happened last fall and was you know, a huge, huge hit and uh, a beautiful show. Uh, Whitney is also, uh, it's worth saying, a, a singer and a songwriter and a performer and experimental artist. Um, in fact, we hosted her at our Under the Radar Festival at the Public this January with a piece called Macbeth in Stride, which mm. was sort of a rock concert from the perspective of Lady Macbeth, which Whitney played. Oh, so Whitney, I mean, Whitney's is fucking incredible. And so you're going to see start seeing her name coming up a lot off Broadway in the coming season, and you should absolutely seek out everything that she does. Um, so this show starts, uh, Our Dear Dead Drug Lord starts on the 11th of September. Um, it's a co-production, I should say, between the WP Theater, which you might know by its former name as the Women's Project Theater, oh, yeah. uh-huh. um, and, uh, this, and Second Stage. Mm-hmm. It's oh, a little okay. co-production uh, thing happening here, um, but it's performing at the WP Theater's main space up on, uh, it's like 76th Street, it's on the Upper mm-hmm. West Side, uh, right up the one train. Um, so yeah, our Dear Dead Drug Lord, it's really funny and weird and beautiful and at times scary. Um, it's a really cool show. You should check it out. Oh, wow. Sounds cool. We have so much mysticism. Is this the August preview or like October? The Halloween. Yeah. Halloween. Oh, well, we are coming into fall, the spookiest <laughs> season. We're going to talk about some more mysticism. I didn't realize. Like, I thought I just picked three shows that like I'm really excited to see. No, they're actually all connected by yeah. faith. and I'll get... Oh, interesting. Okay. More to come. Anyway. Mine are completely disparate, but obviously connected <laughs> by music, musical theater. Oh, of course. So the show I'm going to talk about next is the off-Broadway... Um, new production of Little Shop of Horrors, which I'm super excited about. And there were rumblings about it happening for a little bit because there were like, you know, those surveys that went out that were like, would you be interested in seeing Little Shop of Horrors? (laughs) Um, And the interesting thing about this is that we get this announcement that Little Shop of Horrors is coming and it's coming to the West Side Theater um, and it's going to star um, Jonathan Groff as, uh, what's-his-face, Seymour. <laughs> Tammy Blanchard is going to be Audrey. And Christian Borle is going to be the dentist. I think that's all the casting we have currently. But like I was like, yes, check, check, check. I love that. I'd love it if Borle and Groff switched sometimes. And they <laughs> played the other parts. But, you know, dreams. And then, like the next day, I think we got an announcement of another like East Coast, West Coast fight, a different Little Shop of Horrors at the Pasadena Playhouse. And that is um, starring George Salazar as Seymour, MJ Rodriguez as Audrey, and Amber Riley is going to be the singing voice of Audrey too. And I I was like, can I have that one? (laughs) I mean, again, no like disparaging the people that were announced. I'm super excited. I love Little Shop. I've seen it a million times. I've seen up to three children's productions of this show. It's so, which is a weird thing. (laughs) I love it. Um, uh, Yeah. (laughs) I love it. So I'm happy to see it anytime. But like just sort of when we're talking about like do a little better, 
Not that I don't love those three actors, but here we have another all-white principal mm-hmm. cast. And then you give me two days later or whatever uh, an incredibly interesting and uh, diverse cast. Yeah. Uh, I want it. I want that. I'd rather see that. I mean, just your cells are alone. <laughs> I'm sorry to keep talking about a no, person that no one no. listening to this is going to see, but like George Salazar as Seymour is such a brilliant justice. Yes. I mean, it's such a fucking uh-huh. good idea. Um, and um, yeah, well, I mean, at the very least, I mean, The Little Shop of Horrors, I've never actually seen it. Oh, it's so but, good. But one of the reasons is because it's this show that's so beloved by particularly musical theater heads, mm-hmm. but it's very rarely revived in New York. True. Um, it doesn't come around. There's like amateur productions here yes. and there, but there hasn't been like a yes. big splashy production in a while so i'm actually just just oh, for yeah. my own education mm-hmm. i'm excited there to was see. that the hunter foster revival on broadway they did it at encores recently and as they well, did but they yes. were on book wait who's in the encores production um jake gyllenhaal that's right and ellen motherfucking green listen i saw that too obviously because all i do apparently is see little shop of horrors but it was incredible and it was weirdly like a rock concert for Ellen Green. Like that audience was so excited to see her in it. She was the original Audrey, for those who don't know. She's in the Rick Moranis movie. Um, she's a jewel of the American theater. And I will I will see Little Shop anywhere and everywhere. And I will see this off-Broadway revival and I'm very excited about it. But I don't have money to fly to Pasadena and see this other production, which I also want to see. And their previews start on the same day. No. Wow. The previews both start September 17th. I did not realize that. I'm sure they did I just either. looked it up because I was going to check and then I was like, oh, shit. This is like some throwdown. Oh, my gosh. I mean... I wish I could see both. If anyone wants to sponsor me on my across-country tour of Little Shop of Horrors, <laughs> I will go see uh, the West Pasadena Playhouse production because I really, I love MJ Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. I mean, incredible work on Pose. I didn't get to see the Rent at New World Stages. Um, she was Angel, and I I didn't know. I didn't know enough to see that then. I think she'll be an incredible Audrey. I just love Little Shop, and I'm happy that these two productions are happening, but I am extremely jealous of everyone that gets to see that West Coast cast. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I was looking at that one. I was like, wait, wait, this is not mm-hmm. the cast I thought it was. I was like, I don't know. Right? <laughs> I mean, I, not to not to demean exactly. or belittle this, but I was just so excited. And I haven't seen um, Amber Riley in a while. No, she was just right. in West End. But I was like, oh, I'm, I, like, I'm so ecstatic yeah, about this. Yeah, and we this. were supposed to get her Dreamgirls, which yeah. hasn't come, and mm-hmm. I don't know if it will, which is mm-hmm. a bummer. She's been great since Glee, and she was great in The Wiz Live, and... Um, we, I mean, we still have the rest of New York casting. I don't think we have a voice for Audrey 2 yet. There was a production up in the Berkshires a couple of summers ago where the singing voice of Audrey 2 was Brianna Marie Parham and the embodiment of the plant, I think, was a drag queen. Mm. It was something like that. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I'm like, I can't travel to Massachusetts for that, but I want to. I just love Little Shop of Horrors. So thank you for the New York production, but I still wish it was the other one. Well, hopefully you get to see both. <laughs> yes. yes, hopefully someone will sponsor me um, and send me out to California. <laughs> well, um, my third selection is a more affordable show. Um, I'll so, say. Yeah. <laughs> Equally um, as difficult to get tickets to, though. It is difficult to get tickets. Hey, I'm not going to comment on nope the nature of that. We're just I'm just going to talk about the production that I know. You know, the I'll facts. show the, the details with you. Yeah. So this is Hercules at the Public Theater, Delacorte um, Theater in the park. So it opens on August 31st. So this is a part of the annual public works program um i want to just give a little shout out to Lindsay because she took me to see my first public work show amazing um in 2017 that was a midsummer night's dream and the director is the same director for this upcoming production and that's lear de bethany so i mean who doesn't love the story of hercules mm. and this show um we have some big important names in it 
some familiar names. I'll go ahead and read a few. So we have Jelani Aladdin. I think he's still currently on Broadway in Frozen or he, just finished. He left Frozen a and, little bit ago. Okay. And Roger Roger Bart, mm-hmm. um, Jeff Hiller, James Monroe Iglehart. Um, so I'm excited to see him because I didn't get to see him in Aladdin. We have Ramona Keller, Tamika Lawrence, Krista Rodriguez, uh, and Rima Webb, just to name a few. Rima Webb. Yes. I really enjoyed the Public Works program because it was so amazing to see all of these different folks from the community be able to participate Mm -hmm. um, in the production. And you could just hear all of the joyous energy from their family and friends in the audience watching them on stage. Um, And so it's just really exciting to provide that opportunity for the community to be able to perform and then also to see themselves reflected on stage, which is also very important. And so... Let's go ahead and check out this Hercules. I'm going to read you the little description as well, even though most of us most of us are familiar with this. Um, so I'll just read what they had on their website. Public Works will present the glorious story of Hercules, brought to vibrant life by professional actors and community groups from across the city. Journey with Hercules in this new stage adaptation that invites New Yorkers from all five boroughs to, to participate in a joyous musical that celebrates the heroes found in all of us. And I think that last line is really important because now more than ever, like we all have to look within ourselves and be our own leader because there is so much craziness. Shenan- there are so many shenanigans happening Nobody else in the world. Leading. (laughs) So we have to draw um, from within. So hopefully, this show can encourage everyone uh, to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, uh, this director also did Miss You Like Hell, which was off Broadway at the Public Theater, and Venus, which was at Signature Theater um, a few years ago. So, yeah, I'm going to be checking out her work and looking forward to see this collaboration on stage. And now I'll sing an excerpt. No. Bless <laughs> <laughs> my soul. There we Eric go. Was oh on a roll. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously quite biased, uh, but, <laughs> but it's been, I mean, the journey of the show has been really incredible. Um, and one of the coolest things that's ever happened, uh, in, in certainly my time at the public. Um, it's amazing because the, as you mentioned, uh, you know, the, pageants that we do every year um, through the Public Works program, which Lear, DeBess, and I founded, have mostly been adaptations of Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twelfth Night, As You Like mm-hmm. It, The Tempest. Right. Uh, yeah. The Odyssey was in there for good measure as well, but this is the first time that we're adapting. I mean, Hercules is obviously a classical story, right. but, more contemporary. but the Disney, the 1997 yeah. Disney yeah. film, which by the way, like I still to this day know every syllable so of that good. film. It's so good. Um, and like the fact that like, you know, Alan Menken and David Zippel, who yes. wrote the film, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been actively working on this on this production oh, wonderful. and there's new music that was mm-hmm. not in the original film <sighs> and you know the fact that you know Disney films are such a um I think for a lot of people, including myself, like I, you know, my parents didn't take me to musicals when I was a kid, but did those that sort of 1990s era yeah. Disney mm-hmm. films, that was my gateway drug into musical theater. Sure. Yes. Um, the Lion King and you know Little Mermaid mm-hmm. and Hercules, and so it's just really exciting to see, you know, not everybody you know who comes to Public Works has read Twelfth Night, but a lot of people have seen yeah. Disney films, so yeah. it's going to be re- it's I think it's going to be a different energy. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I, I should note uh, Christopher D. Yeah, is an incredible playwright, uh, wrote the uh, book. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, The choreographer is Chase Brock. Yeah, who's choreographed, I think, every single one, maybe mm-hmm. with one or two exceptions of our Public Works oh, pageants. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's going to be great, y'all. Um, and this is the first uh, Public Works pageant, which we should note, that is uh, normally we do it just over Labor Day weekend. This is actually going to span two weekends because mm-hmm. its demand has been a little yeah. higher wow. than in previous That's years. wonderful. And I love that Disney's doing it. Yeah, Disney's I been mean, working I, with us on it. It's been yeah, amazing. Yeah, I'm not going to get into a lot of that. But, like, <laughs> I just love, you know, Disney is Disney, and we all have to reconcile that however we do. Sure. But that they're like, yeah, all right, we'll do Because they, they could, and I don't know what the future of anything might be of this production, but right now they could have said, no, because we could put this on Broadway right now exactly. and make a bajillion dollars. Because it's very clear that they could because of the... This may be a testing ground for well, that. Right. We don't know. Yeah. But even no still, they're yeah. allowing themselves to do it this way first, which mm-hmm. is great. Because exactly. they don't have to. They don't have to do anything. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> it's been always interesting to me, like how uh, you know. Obviously, this is the first time that the public has worked with Disney theatricals, but I've always been interested in like the differing ways in which their properties are adapted for That's theater. That's true. Because yeah. you have your Lion King on Broadway and Aladdin mm-hmm. and Frozen and stuff like that. But you know, I'm just remembering when I was living in Chicago, um, Mary Zimmerman, who's like like the noted experimental mm-hmm. device theater artist based there, they gave her the Jungle Book, and mm. she, they kind of let her do whatever mm-hmm. she wanted, and it was. By no means like a blockbuster, like, you know, sort of cash grab. It was right. this deeply artful, you know, leaned very much into Mary's aesthetic. Um, and I, anyway, it's just been really... Well, even Tamor, like... Yeah, Julie Tamor yeah. was not yeah. like, a, you know, she wasn't, I think, quite Julie Tamor yet. She, no, um, but she wasn't, you know, Christopher Ashley or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't, doesn't, it just is a different, pulling from a different, like, dictionary. Yeah. There's a much less interesting, boring version of The Lion King on Broadway oh, somewhere, yeah. and Julie yeah. was not out to make that. Exactly. So anyway, it's yeah. gonna be re- anyway, it's gonna be really fun. Yeah, I'm excited. And there's Definitely. for anyone who's interested, there there's no like ticket line. There's a daily lottery, online lottery only, and then they will do an in-person standby lottery, mm-hmm. so you can um, usually if you go to the theater, you can wait in the standby line. And here it's sort of a chance to wait in the standby line because because of the demand, they just were really, as far as I understand it, not concerned, but wanted to make sure people weren't going to be like camping out in the park. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, um, and, you know, it's very exciting that people are so excited for it. And every time there's these like, even with Broadway, like Hamilton, the lottery and, and things get so big that it's a little scary. It also means that people are excited about theater, yeah. which is great. Yeah. You know, and the whole purpose of, or not the whole purpose, but one of the purposes of public works when Lear um, and Oscar Eustace conceived of it was this idea of breaking down the barriers between what we consider professional, Mm -hmm. that artistry is a spectrum. There are Mm -hmm. not artists and non-artists. And so, you know, the fact that, you know, all these wonderful people that you mentioned, including, by the way, I love Roger Bart, who was the voice of Hercules, Hercules, who sang Go the Distance. Oh, and I can't wait for y'all to see Jelani. He's so... I mean, I'm I'm sure. But, like, you know, the fact that all of, you know, it's not going to be just sort of fans of the the original film in the audience, but on stage as well is Mm -hmm. just... Yeah, it's going to be great. So the last show I'm, I, that I want to talk about um, is actually two shows, uh, running as a double bill. Um, <gasps> so excited. I, I know. can't contain myself. At, um, I mean, for bang for your buck, this is hard to beat this fall. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Emphaniso, excuse me, Emphaniso Udofia is a playwright who you've probably heard mentioned a couple times on this podcast mm-hmm. before. Um, over the past several years, she has embarked on this nine-play cycle called the Ufot cycle, which sort of tracks a Nigerian-American family uh, living in Boston and New York, um, as well as a, a few key moments um, in Nigeria. And it's this epic cycle that primarily follows the, the main, this main character, Abasiyama. And she, her story has been told a couple times already on the New York stages. So the first play of Emphaniso's cycle, Sojourners, premiered a few years ago at the Playwrights Realm. And the New York Theater mm-hmm. Workshop did a sort of repertory performance of that play, uh, Sojourners, and another play in the cycle, which was called Her Portmanteau. Um, mm. Ed uh, Iskandar directed both of those. So New York Theater Workshop, after a couple years off, is tackling the next two, or not, not chronologically the next two, but two more plays in this nine-play cycle. Um, I think I've heard Infaniso say that, you know, the first play Sojourners, that's the, the origin story, and then the other eight can kind of be performed in whatever order. That's cool, I like that. Yeah, yeah and but, they take place in different times and places, and tonally and structurally and um, sort of artistically, they feel very different. Mm. I think she has a, in the last show, uh, Adia and Clara Snatch Joy. Yes. So the first and the last shows oh, are set. Got it, I yes. saw a little a, a reading of that. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah. Cool. Oh, oh my gosh, so, cool. so good. Uh, so the two plays that uh, are being presented starting September 4th at New York Theater Workshop are called Run Boy Run, and the second play is called In Old Age. Unlike Sojourners and Her Portmanteau a few years ago, which were presented in rep, these two plays will be performed as a single evening of theater, which means that you're getting two plays for the price mm-hmm. of one, yeah. and if you act quickly, you know, with New York Theater Workshop has like their first week of previews or like 30 bucks or something, right. you can get two play, two great off-Broadway plays for 30 bucks, which is pretty amazing. Um, and Run Boy Run and In Old Age sort of find Abasiyama toward those sort of later stages of her life. We've seen her in previous plays as a young woman and as an older woman, and uh, In Old Age is about uh, 
And both plays are about sort of her relationship uh, with her husband, Disciple, um, who she met um, and uh, in the first play, Sojourners. And uh, both plays are very... Um, they're uh, very hard to watch at times. They're incredibly dramatic and uh, sad and and uh, very much plays about Abbasiyama's agency, the agency of an African woman living in the United States who mm. has been here for so long and yet still cannot shake some of the, the horrible things about both America um, and where she's come from. Mm. Uh, and Runway Run, that play, has a particular place in my heart because it's actually the story of Disciple himself. Actually, Basiyama is sort of a, a, not a minor character, but sort of a, she's a supporting figure Mm -hmm. in that story. And the the way that the the play moves on the page is so gorgeous and terrifying and sad. Um, And uh, I'm interested to see how that plays with In Old Age, which finds, again, Basiyama toward the end of her life um, in this sort of gorgeous two-hander. And as I've indicated uh, with all the other shows I've talked about, there is some there's some spiritual things happening in the wings of this play that may or may <laughs> mm-hmm. not make their way on stage. Mm-hmm. I won't say how, but um, it's going to be very exciting. And uh, oh, I should mention. Um, so unlike the previous um, iterations of the Ufot cycle at New York Theater Workshop, there's actually two directors who are tackling these plays. Oh, yeah. So um, Runboy Run is directed by the incredible Loretta Greco, who's the artistic director of the Magic Theater in San Francisco. Um, and it's worth saying that they have been that theater and Loretta specifically have been a huge supporter of this cycle and Infiniso in general. Mm-hmm. And the second play, uh, In Old Age, is being directed by the wonderful Awoya Timpo, who directed so many shows last season. Um, um, but uh, in particular, two plays by Ngozi Anyanwu that were both amazing, yes, Good Grief yes, yes. and um, Homecoming Queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very, very excited. I love double bills of theater. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know how long the whole evening will be. I imagine it's probably somewhere near three hours, but Jeez, like, yeah. these plays are it's worth awesome. it. It's worth it, and the way the pace of her work moves, you don't even notice mm. the passage of time. And I'm just like, I have chills just talking about her work. I'm like, I cannot yeah. wait. Um, please, someone hurry up and get me a pair of comps as quickly <laughs> as you can. Just as ridiculous. I mean, and honestly, I speak in the future, I really <laughs> deeply hope that New York Theater Workshop continues. Like, it would be yeah, so great yeah. for, you know, to you know, if you live in New York long enough and, and hang out at New York Theater Workshop long enough that you'll be able to actually see all nine. Yeah. Like, like, that I would be really great. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I'm looking forward. If I'm not here, I'm flying back. I tell you that mm. much. You should. <laughs> anything else yeah, that we yeah. need to discuss? Any last minute plugs for anything anyone's doing? I will say that on September 22nd, it's the Broadway flea market um, oh, it's to so benefit fun. Uh, BCFA, Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's on 44th and 45th Street and then along Schubert Alley. Um, shows have tables, theater companies have tables. Some of it's like literally people are emptying out their apartments and they're like, buy my old junk. And some of it's like boxes and boxes of playbills and really cool stuff and signed stuff. And I last time I was there, I missed last year, but the year before that I bought um, a Love Never Dies notepad, which is the terrible, <laughs> terrible sequel to The Phantom of the Opera. That never made its way here, right? <laughs> no, it never made its way. There was a there was a tour, I think, last year oh, okay. of Love Never Dies, um, but they filmed it in Australia, and if you want to see something very wow. incredibly terrible, I suggest watching it. If you like Broadway merch, there's always cool stuff uh-huh. there. There's always, like, lovely... Um, the Public Theater usually has a table there. Yeah, we, definitely. You know, old cast albums and Public Works mm-hmm. t-shirts and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. And occasionally some Hamilton goodies. Oh, I think don't think there's much left. Yeah, in the, yeah. In the they old... always have a table, though. And, like, you know, they, the actors have shows, obviously, in the matinee, but people will come out sometimes. Oh, yeah. um, the past two years... Um, Tyne Daly has had her own table. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's like, awesome. Like selling stuff, and you're like, hey, it's Tyne Daly. She's just <laughs> hanging out at Broadway Fleet. It's great. It's a good time. Uh, and uh, as I said, it benefits uh, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, which is a great, like, sort of umbrella organization that supports a lot of other smaller organizations. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to give a little nod to Signature Theater. This uh, upcoming season, they're going to have five playwrights, as they often do, but four are women of color. Mm. So that's a real shift. Um, And so I'm really excited. Um, They're bringing back Anna DeVere Smith. Uh, They're going going to have... uh, 
Lauren Yee. Oh. Um, some of you might remember yeah. we talked about Cambodian rock oh. band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Love that show. I can't. I'm so glad it's here. I'm so <laughs> yes, glad. Yes, it's coming. It's coming. Uh, Katori Hall, um, who did The Mountaintop. Queen she did Our Lady of Cap- mm-hmm. Chabejo. Um, so she's doing The Hot Wing King. This, <sighs> and I hear it's a comedy that's really yeah. fabulous. Oh, but Katori's been gone from New York for too long. I mean, I've, I've missed her. The Queen her. is back. I'm so I'm excited. <laughs> And then also Dominique Morisot, right. uh, Confederates. Mm. Um, and, you know, they're also doing, not to um, <laughs> leave him out, but Horton Foote, who they've done previously. Why um, not? He's doing the young man from Atlanta. Um, but I'm just uh, so excited. Stacked. We've been talking about a shift, but they are really doing it. Yeah. So I will be there uh, this season. And some incredible directors, too, I should mm-hmm, add, on, on, mm-hmm. on that season. Yes, uh, yes, yes. In addition to folks like Che Yu, um, uh, Steve Broadnax is going to be directing yeah. there. Um, so they're really, they're also supporting a lot of great directors of color. Mm-hmm. Sihima Lee. Camila Forbes. Camila Forbes, yeah. My I mean, boss at Apollo Theater. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, it's just incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's a, the Signature is really doing the thing right mm-hmm. this and year. And they're affordable. Yeah, yeah, they have yeah. Um, their ticket initiative yep. where all tickets are $35 mm-hmm. uh, for the initial run. So, yeah. I mean, accessibility, when we talk about it, they're doing that too. And just to say, one, the one thing I'm, I think, maybe hard to say most excited about is Signature, but of, as you mentioned, they're doing Anna DeVere Smith's play, three mm-hmm. of them, um, which if you don't know Anna DeVere Smith's um, documentary solo work, like uh, Twilight Los Angeles, I mean, Ooh, like, you know, so rich. Uh, incredible, mm-hmm. incredible artist. Mm-hmm. But historically, all of those plays, she has performed oh, yes. her own own work in them this is the first time i think yeah uh, in a while back. that that yeah. that there will be other per- she will not be in the shows mm-hmm. other performers will mm-hmm. be performing these and i ca- literally cannot imagine yeah you know someone other than anna not doing it I so know. like that, but and not to say that that's gonna that's a bad thing i actually right. think I it's know. really exciting yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you know like, because yeah. the legacy has to be passed on at some of point course. and it's important that it's done while while she's here yeah, yeah. So, absolutely yeah yeah it's sort of like i know that uh, it's, it's a future production of uh, what the constitution means to me by heidi schreck mm-hmm. very celebrated uh, completing its mm-hmm. broadway run uh, you know, Heidi's not going to perform that show anymore. Correct. And someone else is going to play Heidi. And right. I actually can't it's, wait it's yeah. to see someone else's, because it's such, yeah. it's so Heidi that like I can't right. imagine. So I'm looking forward yeah. to having my horizons expanded. Yeah. Anyway. Title of show, same thing. Those yeah. actors yeah. De- dece- deceived, devised that piece. And you know, somebody else plays Susan. I like deceived too. Yeah. I yeah. deceived. <laughs> yeah, see. They deceived us all. With deception. Yes. With my art. Yes. I love it. <laughs> I want to thank Ben Ferber for yes, live ben, mixing. Yes, thank you. Our, he doesn't have a mic in front of him because he's been bad. Silent <laughs> <Okay>. engineer. <laughs> on, the, on the knobs. With the cutest, yeah. yes, with the cutest little outfit. All right. Yeah, there's a romper situation happening that y'all don't it's get great. to see. Be jealous. Be jealous. Um, it was great talking with you both. Yes. Yeah. So nice to see you. Yes. Have a good fall, everybody. Yeah. Yes. We'll, we'll speak to you soon. See you at Hercules. Yes. Good luck. I hope so. (laughs) I can't get you tickets. Bye. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of the Maximu Theater and Performance Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or opinions that differ from our own, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter at Maximu. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we have merch. You can buy coffee mugs, tote bags, and stickers with your favorite Maximu-isms on them. You can find it all on the store at Maximu.com. All proceeds go to helping the podcast improve our sound quality. See you again soon.